Hello and welcome to Super Great Kids Stories. Wise tales from storytellers around the world which will make you laugh and sometimes cry. Recommended for ages 5 to 105. I'm Kim and I love stories. Hello Super Great Kids and how are you? happy because this coming week we celebrate love and friendship with Valentine's Day. So we have a beautiful Cinderella style fairy tale for you called Cap of Rushes. It's a story from England and it's told by Nick Hennessy. Did you know that there are over 1,000 versions of the Cinderella story told around the world? And in different countries, Cinderella has different names. In West Africa, she's called Chinye. In Scotland, Rasheen Koti. And in China, she's called Yip Han or Xing Xing. And not all versions of Cinderella have a glass slipper like in the popular French version. In Egypt, it's a slipper made of rose gold. And in Scotland, it's made of blue ram's wool. And in an Irish version, the slipper is made from green silk. So, just before we start, I wonder what kind of shoes or slippers your Cinderella would wear if you were telling the story. Have a little think about that while we have a quick chat with the grown-ups. Ready? Off you go. Hello, super great kids. I'm back. I wonder what you decided. Would your Cinderella be wearing pink wellies or clumpy black boots? Or maybe she wouldn't use a slipper at all. Maybe it's something else that she loses. I wonder if you can help me by being a story detective. Listen to this week's story and see if you can figure out what object helps the prince to find his princess. Are you sitting comfortably? Am I sitting comfortably? Then let's give a warm welcome to storyteller and musician Nick Hennessy. Once upon a time there was a rich man, and he had three daughters, whom he loved very much, but it was the youngest that he loved best of all. And because he loved her best of all, he gave her three dresses. The first dress was made of silver, the second was made of beaten gold, and the third dress was made of feathers of all of the birds of the air. And that was her favourite dress of all. 
Now each day when the rich man returned home, he would go down into the cellar, and taking out a ring of keys, he would unlock a great door into a room, a room in which he kept all of his wealth. And each day he would sit and count it all out, count it until it stood around him like pillars of gold. But one day he got to thinking, I know how rich I am, but how much am I loved? So he called his daughters before him and asked, I love you all very much, but tell me, how much do you love me? He turned to the eldest daughter, Why, father, I love you more than all the gold in the world. Well, he was pleased with that, so he turned to the second daughter, Why, father, I love you more than all the silver in the world. Well, he was pleased with that. So he turned to the youngest daughter, the one with the dresses. Tell me, child, he said, how much do you love me? The youngest daughter was silent. She loved her father very much, more than anything. But how could she find the words, the right words, to tell how very much she loved him? The father grew impatient. Come on, girl, tell me, how much do you love me? Father, she said. I love you more than meat loves salt. When he heard that, the father flew into a rage. Meat? Salt? But these are such ordinary things. Your sisters likened their love to gold and silver, precious things, special things, but you say you love me like meat loves salt? And he thought that meant that she didn't love him at all. And so he dragged her upstairs made her pack away her dresses, the one of silver, the one of gold and the one of feathers, into a bag, and then threw her and the bag out of the door and slammed it shut. Well, she tumbled into the gutter and wept bitterly. She begged her father to let her back in, but he wouldn't. He was filled with rage. Soon she realised there was nothing left for her there, so she got up picked up the bag, and turning her back on the house and her family, she set out on the road. Well, she walked and she walked and she walked. She walked for a short time, she walked for a long time, with nothing but the rain that fell for her thirst, and only berries from the branches for her hunger. She walked and walked and walked, she walked for a long time, she walked for a longer time, she walked until her clothes turned to rags, walked until her shoes wore through and her feet grew blistered and sore from the road. Then one day she came by a little stream, gentle and crystal clear. She sat down on the bank to rest, weary from the walking, and leaned over to drink, to cup the fresh water in her hands. But then she saw her own reflection. She saw her clothes all turn to rags, and she saw what she had become. Where once she had so much, now she had nothing, and she wept. But when her tears had run dry, she looked across the stream and saw, in the distance, a great house. Perhaps, she thought to herself, I could find shelter there. So she took the bag with the three dresses, and she hid it amongst the roots of a tree with branches that reached across the stream. 
and then she gathered rushes that grew at the water's edge. She wove them into a cap, a cap with a broad brim to hide her face, and then she crossed the stream to the great house, went to the door and knocked. A kind old woman opened the door. What do you want? she said. Please, the girl said, I've got nowhere to go. Could I come in? I'll do any kind of work needed, and all I ask in return is a place to sleep and whatever scraps are left. The old woman took pity on the young girl. Yes, yes, you can come in, she said. If you don't shy from hard work, then there'll be food and a place for you to sleep. So the girl went in and was led to the kitchens, and straight away she set to work, cleaning and scrubbing and sweeping. And all the cooks and servants asked her her name, but she wouldn't say, so they called her Cap of Rushes. And so every day, from dawn until dark, Cap of Rushes worked in the kitchens, scrubbing the pots and pans, working her fingers to the bone and the bone to the marrow. And at the end of each day, she would eat the scraps that were left and would sleep by the embers of the fire. And time passed. Now the lord of this house was a young man, and he liked nothing better than a feast and a dance, and so he decided to invite all of his friends to a ball. And as the day approached, all the cooks and servants were busy preparing the food, polishing the plates, laying out the silverware in the hall. But on the day, as the guests arrived in their fine carriages and the musicians were tuning their instruments, the cooks turned to Cap of Rushes and said, We're invited to the feast, you know, so put down your scrubbing brush and come with us. Oh, it'll be such a grand evening. But Cap of Rushes shook her head. Oh, no, she said. I'm too tired. You go on without me. I just want to sleep. Ah, suit yourself, they said, and off they went. But no sooner had the door clicked shut behind them. Cap of rushes, she dried her hands, took off her apron and ran out of the house. Down through the fields she went until she came to the little stream. She went to the tree with its branches bowed over the water, took out her bag from among the roots, opened it up and took out her dress of silver. She took off her rags and her cap of rushes. She washed herself in the stream until her skin shone. Then she put on that dress of silver, and I'll tell you, she looked as beautiful as the moon in the night sky. And then she went to the ball. And as she walked into the hall, the music stopped. The laughter fell away. Everyone stopped and stared, because truly there was no one there as beautiful as she was. And the Lord, when he saw her, well, he fell in love. He reached out his hand and he asked her to dance. She smiled and took it. And the music struck up and round and round and round they danced and everyone agreed there was no finer couple in all of the land. And as they danced, he asked her, Tell me, who are your family? Where are you from? But she pushed him away then. Is it not enough that I am here, she said, and with that she turned and fled. She ran out of the door, down to the little stream. 
She took off her dress of silver, hid it in the bag amongst the roots of the tree, put on her rags once more and her cap of rushes. She ran back to the kitchens, she lay down by the embers of the fire and fell fast asleep. Next morning, the cooks shook her. Wake up, wake up, cap of rushes. Oh, you should have been there last night. What a ball it was. But there was one young woman more beautiful than all the others. She was wearing a dress of silver, and she looked as lovely as the moon in the night sky. Oh, said cap of rushes, I wish I could have seen it. Well, the Lord's having another ball tonight, and he's hoping that she'll come, so if you come tonight, you'll see her for sure. Well, all that day the cooks and servants were busy preparing the food, polishing the silverware, and as the guests were arriving and the musicians tuned their instruments, they turned to Cap of Rushes. Come on now, come to the ball, we're invited too. But again she shook her head and yawned. Oh, I'm too tired to go, you go along without me. Oh, suit yourself, they said, and left. But no sooner was the door shut behind them, Cap of Rushes leapt to her feet, dried her hands on her apron and ran out of the kitchens down to the little stream. She took out the bag from the roots of the tree and took out her second dress, the dress of beaten gold. She took off her rags and her Cap of Rushes, washed herself in the stream, then slipped on the dress, and I'll tell you she looked as lovely as the sun in the summer sky. And off she went to the ball. When she stepped into the hall, everyone stopped and stared, because there was no one there as beautiful as she was. And the Lord, he saw her, and he offered his hand and asked her to dance, and so she took it. The music struck up, and they danced, and they danced, and they danced through the night. But again he asked, Tell me, who is your family? Where are you from? But again she pulled away. Is it not enough that I am here? And with that she fled, back down to the stream and the little tree. She folded away her dress of beaten gold, put on her rags and her cap of rushes. She went back to the kitchens and fell asleep by the embers of the fire. Next morning, in came the cooks. Wake up, wake up, cap of rushes. Oh, you should have been there last night. What a ball it was. And she was there again, more beautiful than all of the others, wearing a dress of beaten gold. Oh, she looked as lovely as the sun in the summer sky. Oh, said cap of rushes, I wish I could have seen it. Well, the Lord's having another ball tonight, and he's hoping that she'll come. So if you come tonight, you'll see her for sure. So as for the first and second day, so too for the third. The cooks and servants were busy preparing the food and polishing the silverware, and as the guests were arriving, they turned to Cap of Rushes, Come on now, come with us to the ball. But she shook her head and yawned. Oh, I'm too tired to go, she said. You go along without me. Oh, suit yourself, but you'll miss her, they said, and left. But as soon as the door was shut behind them, Cap of Rushes was on her feet. 
dried her hands on her apron, ran out of the kitchens down to the little stream. She reached for the bag and took out the third dress, the dress of feathers of all of the birds of the air, and that was her favourite dress of all. She slipped off her rags and her cap of rushes, washed herself in the stream and slipped on the dress, and off she went to the ball. As she entered the hall, everyone fell silent. The music, the chatter, the laughter, everything, everyone stopped and stared. The young lord asked for her hand. The music struck up and they danced and danced through the night. But then he stopped and took out a gold ring from his pocket. Please, so that I find you again, take this gold ring. And he took her hand and tried to slip it onto her finger, but she pulled her hand away. You cannot own me, she cried. No, he said, that's not what I wish for, not at all. And he pressed the ring into her palm, but she threw it down onto the floor. She turned and she ran off into the night. Next morning, the cooks woke her from her sleep. Oh, you should have been there. She was wearing a dress made of feathers of all of the birds of the air. Oh, I wish I could have seen it. Well, you won't now. She ran off. You've missed your chance. Now get up, lazybones. Go and sweep the hall. So Cap of Rushes took the broom to the hall and she set to work. But as she swept, she heard a clink and a chink and saw a flash of gold across the floor. And there, on the ground, she saw the ring. She picked it up, looked down at it in her hand, then broke down and wept. Well, time passed, and the young lord didn't even know the name of the woman he loved. So he sent out messengers to find her, galloping off to the north and the south and the east and the west. But they returned with nothing. No one knew who she was. And the Lord said, If I never see her again, then I will surely die. And he took to his bed. He was sick with love, you see. He wouldn't eat nor drink. And as the days passed, he grew more pale and thin. Then one day, down in the kitchens, Cap of Rushes overheard the cook talking, wringing her hands as to what to do. Cap of Rushes spoke. Of course, I couldn't possibly know what to do myself, but if I were you, then I'd cook him a meal, but no ordinary meal. The finest meal you've ever cooked. Surely then he could not refuse to eat, and soon enough he'd forget this nonsense of love. So the cook set to work and prepared the finest dish she'd ever made. And on a silver plate and a silver tray, she took it to the Lord's bedroom and lay it down before him. The Lord looked at it and waved his hand. Take it away, he said. As I said, I will not eat until I see her again. So the cook returned to the kitchens. Of course, said Cap of Rushes, I wouldn't possibly know what to do, but if he will not eat, then surely he will drink. If I were you, I'd bring him the finest bottle of wine from his cellar. Once he sees it, surely he would forget this foolishness of love. The cook thought that a good idea. So a bottle was sent for from the cellars, the finest wine ever possessed. 
and it was carefully uncorked and a glass poured and carried to the young lord. But when he saw it, he waved his hand, take it away. I will neither eat nor drink until I see her again. The cook returned to the kitchens. Surely he will die if he neither eats nor drinks, and he looks so pale. Capavrushes said, Why not try him with some soup, simple broth and a cup of water, if he will not eat rich food nor drink fine wine? I tell you what, I'll make it. You have plenty more important things to do, I'm sure. Well, the cook agreed, and Capavrushes made the soup. And while no one was looking, she took out the ring from her pocket and she slipped it into the bowl. And then the soup and the cup of water were brought before the Lord. Now he'd refused all food, and yet, when he smelt that soup, he couldn't help himself. He took up the spoon and took the smallest of sips. Mmm, it was delicious. He ate and he ate and he ate, sucked down all of the soup until he reached the bottom of the bowl, and... Then what did he see but the ring? Who made this soup? he asked. The cook was scared. I did. No, you didn't. Tell me who it was, and I won't harm you. Well, it was Cap of Rushes. Bring this Cap of Rushes to me, he said. So Cap of Rushes was sent for, and she stood at the bedside of the Lord. Did you make this soup? he asked. Yes, I did, she said. Then who did you get this ring from? Please, you must tell me. Why, she said, I got it from the man who gave it to me. And she took the cap of rushes off her head, and he saw who she was. And he rose up from his bed then, took her hand in his, and asked her to marry him. And she said yes. Well, that would be a fine place to end this story. And yet, that is not how this story ends. You see, invitations were sent out across the land, to the north, to the south, to the east and the west, inviting everyone to come to the wedding of the Lord and Cap of Rushes. But on that day, she went to the kitchens and spoke to the cook. For my wedding feast, she said, I want you to cook all of the meat without salt. What? asked the cook. You can't do that. It'll taste nasty. It'll be inedible. Just do as I say. So all of the meat was cooked without salt. And when all the wedding guests gathered in the hall and sat to eat, they spat it out. It was disgusting. It was inedible. Everyone was angry. Everyone except one man an old man sitting on his own at the end of the bench by the door. His hair was grey, and he was sobbing and sobbing into his hands. Cap of Rushes went to him. Old man, she asked, why are you crying? Oh, he said, my tale is a sorry one. A long time ago, I had a daughter, and I asked her how much she loved me. She told me she loved me as much as meat loves salt, and I was a fool, for I thought that meant she didn't love me at all, because meat and salt are such ordinary things. And yet now I taste this meat cooked without salt, 
and now I see clearly. She loved me more than all of the others, and I will never see her again. Cap of Rushes turned his face towards her. Father, she said, do you not recognise me? And he looked up. And whose face was he staring into but his own daughter's, in her finest dress of all, her wedding dress? She took him by the hands, helped him up, and threw her arms around him and kissed his cheek. And on that day, Cap of Rushes and her father were reunited. And on that day, she and the Lord were married. And what a feast and what a celebration it was. I wish you could have all been there. And I was there. And I heard the story that was told at the table. And I carried it away. And now I've brought it to you. And if you liked it, tell it yourself. And whether it be bitter or whether it be sweet, take some away and bring some back. Oh, thank you very much, Nick, for sharing that story with us. Did you notice what Cap of Rushes lost instead of a slipper in this story? That's right. It was a ring. Good listening. I liked the ending where the king realises how important salt is. Did you know that a long time ago, salt used to be used instead of money? It was considered that important. And some people say that Roman soldiers were paid in salt. If you liked that story and you're an owlet, you might want to listen to our scary stories for February, which are also told by Nick. Now, lots of you have joined our Owlets Club. So it's time to dip into our bag of happies and say thank you and hello to some new Owlets. Hello to Jacob, who is six, who became an Owlet for Christmas. Jacob loves the Anansi stories and even made up his own how and why story, How the Mountain Got Tall. That sounds brilliant, Jacob. Well done and welcome to the club. Let's fly now to Mumbai in India to say hello to fans Dia, who is nine, and Summer, who is four. Their favourite story is The Ghost of the Bloody Finger. And and hello to seven-year-old Violet from the US. Her favourite story is The Brave Little Tailor. Good choice, Violet. And let's glide over to Thunder Bay in Ontario in Canada now to say hello to two super great fans. Kelton, who is eight, whose favourite story is Coyote and the Giant. And Victoria, who is six, whose favourite story is River Mama. Welcome to the club, both of you. And let's go to Cape Town now in South Africa to say hello to Carrie, who is six, and Isla, who is three. 
They are both very brave and particularly like the scary stories. They began with the girl from Galicia and listened all the way through. Well done and welcome to the club. Over to Mansfield in Massachusetts in the US now and hello to Miles, who became an owlet for his fourth birthday. His favourite episodes are The Ghost of the Bloody Finger and The Hairy Toe. Miles likes listening to the stories in the car with his sister Lucy. Happy listening, both of you. And hello now to Leo from Pitt Meadows in Canada, who became an owlet for his fourth birthday. He listens to Super Great Kids stories in the car with his little brother, Eli. His favourite stories are the Anansi stories because he quite likes the fact that he is quite a trickster. He's drawn us a fun picture of Anansi with lots and lots of legs waving around. Just lovely. Thanks, Leo. And hello to Forrest, who has just turned seven. Forrest is a really good musician and has taken the Stick Woman song and made his own version, which is pretty darn cool. Well done, Forrest, and thanks very much for sharing that. Hope you had a happy day. More Owlet Welcomes next week. And thanks to all of you who are subscribing to our podcast. If you'd like to join our club on Apple Podcasts or on Patreon, you'll hear our stories advert-free. And you'll get over 35 bonus stories and at least 20 super great scary stories. For more info, go to our website at supergreatkidsstories.com. And now, here are our Pick of the Week pictures which you've sent in. Owlet Caspian, who is seven, from Strasbourg in Colorado in the US, has drawn a marvellous picture of why evergreen trees keep their leaves in winter. Thank you, Caspian. You captured the story really well, with the little brown bird looking so cold and a little bit scared, and the tree wrapping its branches around it to help keep it warm. And hello, too, to your brother, Zayden, who is five. And super great artist Marcel, who is five, has drawn not one, but two pictures inspired by the ghost of the bloody finger and the other one by the sea witch. Marcel, your pictures are super great. I just love your ghost drifting up all the floors of the house and moaning. And the horrible sea witch with sea creatures floating around her like the whale and the jellyfish. Well done. And Kira, who is six from Dallas in Texas, has sent a beautiful painting inspired by the story Why the Whale Has a Sad Song. I love the way you've drawn the big fish who is blocking the way for all the little fish stuck behind him. I particularly like the colours you've used. You've got a real talent there. Thanks for sharing this with us, Kira. And that's it for this week. Have a happy Valentine's Day when it comes. In the US, lots of people give their friends Valentine's cards, which I think is rather lovely. Maybe I should send cards to all my friends this year. This podcast was produced at Wardour Studios in fabulous Fitzrovia in London.